Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Here, so I'm not having to sell you on anything. This isn't like you're like, you know, that you're not having to sign up for anything tonight. There's no like bait and switch, any of that kind of stuff. It's really just to celebrate all the amazing things that God's done in the life of our church, tell you thank you, and then just talk to you a little bit, vision about where we feel like God's taken us. Um, but we want to communicate uh, and express the value that you are to our church by just communicating in layers. We want to tell you some things first uh, and foremost. But Pastor Lee's going to come. He's going to share his heart tonight. And just like every other guest speaker who comes and just shares this platform, man, I just want you guys to honor him as, he's, as he comes tonight. Come on, y'all make it, y'all give it up for Pastor Lee as he comes and he shares. Come on, guys, y'all give it up for Jesus. Come on, you can do better than that. Hope you guys, you guys get enough to eat? Come on, somebody. You know, legacy people may have the spiritual gift of giving and generosity, but, you know, being from South Louisiana, being a Cajun, we got the spiritual gift of eating. You know, I love, I love my uh, culinary uh, background, and, you know, Louisiana is known for a lot of colorful things, some of them not too uh, smart or bright, but, you know, real Cajuns, though, you're not going to learn that much from them, but you're guaranteed to have a really good time. And, uh, but I'm in Birmingham, Alabama now, as uh, Pastor Michael said, and when God can bring a Cajun who's a L- diehard LSU fan, God's got a sense of humor to bring me to Birmingham, Alabama. And then, you know, the only thing I can imagine is, is those Alabama people are like an unreached people group, and, uh, you know, they need Jesus, and uh, so I'm just tired of getting beat by Nick Saban. Uh, so, I don't know, you guys, you guys do freedom, Pastor? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in freedom trying to get uh, therapy for being a, uh, you know, I'm trying to get Joe Burrow back from Cincinnati. Really, that's my life mission. But um, it's a joy to be with you guys. You know, I am very much like you. I wasn't a pastor until I was about 50 years old. I'm 58 years old now. Whoever said 50 is the new 30, they lied to you. 50 is 50. And, uh, you know, now that I'm 58 years old, I've you know, been married uh, for 33 years. We're empty nesters, uh, finally, after 33 years. And uh, it's, it's wild. It's, uh, I'm having a blast. My wife's having a blast. And we've got five kids, four boys and one girl. I brought my family pic. I think we brought a picture. Uh, that's my crew there. And so Laura and I have been married 33 years. We've got four boys and one girl. And uh, how many of you know that one girl? She's expensive. <laughs> Hillsong may have young and free for their music, but that's young and expensive. And, you know, so we've got the four boys, and I've got four daughter-in-loves um, and uh, seven grandbabies. God's gift. How many of you got grandkids? Raise your hand. All right, that's God's gift for not killing your kids. Better ones are coming if you don't have any. Hang on. And uh, they are so amazing. I have to, I've never had to change one diaper. I've never had to be a disciplinarian in any way. They just, you know, they couldn't say my name was supposed to be Pops. But how many of you know the oldest one's going to define exactly what you're going to be called? And that can be dangerous. 
And so I'm trying to, you know, do whatever I can, bribery, coercion to this, you know, one-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old to get him to say what I wanted to be called. It was supposed to be pops, and it comes out. I think it was a blessing of God. It comes out as simply this. She comes up to me, and her arms wide open. She goes, boss, boss, boss. I'm like, boss, that's it, honey. I said, I am boss. And so I'm boss now, and my wife is loving and, and I'm eating it up, and, uh, you know, I said, honey, you need to remember that. That was kind of prophetic. She goes, yeah, I got you prophetic. My wife doesn't call me boss. I'm still working on that part. But um, I think that is my greatest legacy. I think raising kids is, is, is hard, but it's also a big honor. And we didn't start out well in the beginning, but we're going to finish well in Jesus' name. And so I love being a grandparent, being a dad, love being married, love this season of life that we're in. But I was the business guy. I was in business for over 35 years, had built several different companies ranging from financial technology to healthcare to institutional pharmacy to um, oil and gas, very entrepreneurial in nature. And, uh, but I would sit in a church showing up on most Sundays, checking boxes. I'm here, check. Put a little money in the offering plate, check. My kids are here. They still like me. My wife loves me, still. But I was unfulfilled. I knew I was going to go to heaven. I love Jesus. I knew I was going to heaven. But I was asking myself the question, is this all there is? Is, Am I just checking boxes? Because I'm trying to build a business Monday through Friday. And I can't do everything the church is doing because I'm trying to build a business. And I remember I was back home in Louisiana, sitting in the church pew back in the day, and I'm checking my boxes, and I had missed a couple of Sundays. It was the beginning of our business, and I was trying to close a very large lender, a bank, who you would know of, who, uh, on our technology. And it was going to change the trajectory of our entire family, my future, and everything. It was going to be a big win. And I had missed three Sundays. Well, in the South, you miss three Sundays, you're going to hell. And so we sitting there, I was sitting there, uh, came in the lobby, and my pastor's greeting people, high-fiving people, and, and so I'm trying to avoid him because I've been gone. And I remember kind of hiding out, you know, kind of waiting for him to go back into the sanctuary, and, and he looks back at me, and he comes over to me on a beeline. He said, Lee, he goes, why are you avoiding me? He goes, what's up? I was like, Pastor, you know, I missed three Sundays. I missed men's night. I'm so sorry. He goes, what were you doing? I said, I'm trying to close this deal with this bank, and he's like, I said, it's going to change our whole future. He's like, really? He goes, he goes, Lee, he goes, are you kidding me? And this helped set me free. He goes, you can do more closing that deal for our church than you can coming to my men's night. God has called people in the marketplace to a holy calling, and it's equally as important as the calling that's on my life as your senior pastor. Then he got real deep to one of your North Carolina favorite sons. He said, it's the same and it's equally as important as the calling that's on Billy Graham's life. Like, it really matters. Colossians 1.16 says we're created by God, but created for God. And so, for some reason, I had compartmentalized my life, and I had my work life, and then I had my church world. And the two kind of competed against one another. I didn't see that one actually 
fit hand in glove with the other. Because what I did Monday through Friday was my ministry. And when I connected the kingdom purpose, everything started to change in my life. And if you get anything tonight from what I'm sharing with you, and I'm going to share with you some of my story, some of the discovery that I had, uh, some of really what I feel is kind of my purpose and my legacy but it's really important. Legacy team's not just where you're getting people in a room to feed them and have a celebratory moment. It's really not even about finances. It's about helping people fulfill what God's created them to do. Romans 12, 6 through 8 talks about spiritual gifts. And one of those gifts is a gift of generosity. And nobody ever really talks about that. See, God's called everybody to be a worshiper. But some people have a gift for it. God's called everybody to be generous, but some people have a gift for it. Legacy team is no different than a worship team, an outreach team, uh, somebody who's serving in any other capacity. But you've got to see what you're doing for a living is really a kingdom calling, a redemptiveness in it. And what it did for me is it changed the way I ran my business. It changed, it brought me this, and every one of you in this room desires this. We all have this in common, that we want fulfillment. And the older I've gotten, it's more, you know, I'm focused a lot less on a third generation of wealth and more on a third generation of faith. Because you can have the wealth, but without the foundational pieces of a legacy mindset, you're going to do more damage transferring that wealth than you are. Because they're not going to know what to do with it. And uh, there's going to be a great transfer of wealth, actually of trillions of dollars, over the next several decades. But my story was one of, you know, growing up in South Louisiana, did not, uh, went to college for two years. I, I did the LSU two-year program. It was mutually, uh, you know, we both had a mutual agreement after two years that I needed to leave, and I decided to go. And, uh, but as it being an entrepreneur, I was always the guy who was thinking of things and could see the end and would work back. And God took me through this discovery of connecting the kingdom purpose. And it really is this. It's understanding the why behind it. And for me, I think calling and purpose are two different things. I think calling is what's in your hand and purpose is what's in your heart. See, we have these things we long for in our heart, like I want to do something great for God. I can't quite figure it out. It's a little distant and a little bit vague. But maybe I'm not supposed to do all these things in the work world. Maybe I'm supposed to do more ministry. And God doesn't want us to lay down the thing he's called us to do to chase this thing in our heart. The way that we fulfill what's in our heart is being faithful with what's in our hand. And how he's wired us. Because we're all wired differently. We have unique gifts. But as we figure that out, your destiny is tied, actually, to your design. That's why you guys have growth track to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then go make a difference. But it's discovering, really, how you're wired. For me, and I wrote this down when I was preparing, I think you've got to know your why. Always know your why behind what you do. Your why will keep you on your way. And I think many times we don't understand the why really behind it, especially in church life. I have a saying, pastors speak Mandarin, business people speak Cantonese. They're both Chinese, but they're completely different. You can understand one dialect and not the other. So pastors are sitting here casting vision. 
They're basically communicating vision and, okay, we're going to go change the world for Jesus. And a business person, what they're thinking, I want to see the tangible difference being made. I want to see the return on investment. I want to see how many lives we're actually touching. But what I challenge pastors and business people to start thinking is don't just talk about what you're going to do. Talk about what you could do if. Talk about changing your community, changing your state, changing the world. Because the local church, I see guys, I see local church as a kingdom mutual fund. I think it's a kingdom mutual fund. You invest in a local church. If you think about it, y'all have five lanes. That's like a portfolio of investment. You've got local, national, and global missions and outreach. You have, high, you have Soma College, so you're wanting to focus on the raising up the next generation. And then you also have projects. And those projects are so we can not only have a building, but possibly even other campuses that we can reach more people. But it's in that focus of that portfolio that what's so unique about a local church is we don't just do a school to do a school. We don't just feed the poor to feed the poor. We actually do it in Jesus' name. And don't lose sight of that. That, to me, is going to be one of the single most important things because we could end poverty. We could end sex trafficking. We could rescue all the girls in the world out of the sex trade. But if none of them come to Christ, we did something noble and great for a moment. But in light of eternity, we lose. And so I think the church, we're in a position to do some great things, not only helping with physical need, but address the spiritual need. Amen? Y'all ain't sleeping on me, huh? This ain't First Methodist Church. Come on, somebody. But my discovery of connecting the kingdom purpose led me to my why. Will you say, Lee, you know, you spent a lot of years in business, and my wife and I were very generous. We believe that uh, a pastor sets a vision, but the business person sets the pace of that vision. And they need to have a place inside the context of a local church. 67% of all giving by Christians is done outside the church. And I think there's many reasons for that. But we can only move at the speed of generosity. Nothing happens until somebody gives. The lights don't come on. That great tenderloin, that piece of meat tonight, somebody's giving actually paid for that. You don't get to get missions sent. You don't build dream centers without the resources. But I wanted to share with you a couple of points, too, um, of kind of why I give. And I wanted to share with you kind of the two questions that actually were life changes for me to get me to retire at 50 and give my life away for the second half. So I sold my primary company in 2007, spent four years with that new company, two years off. I just tried to figure out what was next, and God closed every door. And then I spoke at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, which, by the way, if you don't know Church of the Highlands, it's a, it's a church about you know, 21, 22 years old that, that's impacting the world in a lot of different areas. And so I got to speak to a group just like this at a breakfast, and we fell in love with the city. And so we moved there to volunteer. And as we're volunteering, I didn't go on staff till about a year later. But I, it was like, I'm not saying God spoke to me, but I will say this. I think when you give away what you've learned and what you've lived, you've got, you've got to have both. You can't just give away what you've learned. 
the real authority, or I guess God's anointing is on when we give away what we've learned and what we've lived. And when you live it, basically there's something through your story of what God's doing. See, every one of us needs an upstream and every one of us needs a downstream. You get wisdom from an upstream, but you got to give that wisdom away to a downstream of people in order for you to be fulfilled. And there's some people in here that are my age and older. There's some wisdom that's untapped inside of you, if I could just encourage you. There's a generation of 20 and 30-year-olds. When you're in your 20s, everything you live your life with ends with an exclamation point. And then, then you get to your 30s, and those exclamation points, they don't work anymore. They turn to question marks. And so 50 and 60-year-olds mentoring 20 and 30-year-olds. And you can change your community. Because there's things that we've learned at an at a older age. So we need some gray hair in the body of Christ, is what I'm saying. To impact this young generation. And you'd be surprised. I thought they would look at me and they thought I was just kind of irrelevant. They just said, you know, you, you just, you know, Pastor Lee, you look like an accountant. And you just kind of, you know, you can't, you're not us with our tattoos and skinny jeans and all that. And I'm like, well, no, that's not me. But I do have some experience and a few scars that I'll share with you. See, scars have wisdom. Wounds don't. They need to heal. But there's wisdom in it, and we need to give that away. And I think part of the legacy teams, uh, one of the things we do at Church of the Highlands is we give that away. And we, we kind of create small groups that actually happen and make that happen. But I wanted to share with you for a minute about why I give. I think you need to understand the why behind why I give. Number one, if you're taking notes, I give because the God I serve is a giver. He's a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But watch this. I love this quote by John Bono. He said, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. And I always remind myself of that so that I don't get so rigid in my life. See, I want to be the old guy that's smiling with a skip in their step. I, want to be, I don't want to be looking like I've been sucking on lemons. I want, to have, I want to be just full of joy until my last breath. But how I do that is I bring myself back to remembering what God did for me and how he saved me and how he blessed me in business and other areas. And you, my grandkids and my kids, I try to remind myself. My son and I were on the plane flying over here, and we were talking, and I was like, I was like son, I said, let us never lose the wonder of being grateful. Let's be grateful. Let's be, a, let's be a people who are always grateful. There's a lot of negativity, a lot of things going on. No, no, I'm going to respond by being thankful and grateful to what God has done for me. Number two, I give because I like how I feel when I give. I can't help but give. You see those guys banging that, what is it, the, uh, uh, the, they, they're dressed in red, Salvation Army around Christmas. And so they got the bells going, and I can't help but give. If I see something like that, I want to be generous. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Number three is, I give because I'm in a covenant relationship with God and my church. What am I saying? None of us are as good as all of us. None of us can do and make a, the impact that all of us can do. I never was able to write a billion-dollar check in my life, but I am. 
because I'm helping over 16,000 churches around the world that we're, we have the honor and the privilege of helping. Well, that's made up of millions of people that are giving billions of dollars. It's not about me, but if you'll give away what you've learned and lived, you can have exponential impact and make a difference. Number four, I give because I really believe in the vision of our church. I see it as a kingdom mutual fund where I can invest in one place and make this incredible impact. Number five, I give because I want to be an example to my kids. I've got one of my kids with me tonight, Harrison, who's the second oldest, but he keeps saying he's the first of, in our hearts. But uh, Harrison, why don't you stand up? If y'all welcome my son. Uh, He loves Jesus, and he married an amazing girl. Still don't know how he closed that deal, but he married an amazing girl and uh, has three beautiful kids and so proud of him. But I want to be an example to my kids. So Harrison and I were traveling to Detroit. If you've ever been to Detroit, Michigan, they got the longest terminals of any airport I've ever seen. It's just like one straight terminal. It's like, okay, gate 687A. And you're like, you just, so we're going down the terminal and, Harrison loves P.F. Chang's, and in our family, we don't call it, y'all know P.F. Chang's? Okay, we call it P.F. Chang's. So where, where are we going after church? P.F. Chang's. So we call it P.F. Chang's. So we're walking down the corridor in the terminal, and then we see a P.F. Chang's. And so Harrison goes, Dad, there it is. Let's go get something to eat. And we walk in this P.F. Chang's. He worked there when he was at Highlands College, and so we order our food, and there was a lady who was waiting on us. And how many of you met people that they have a countenance that's veneered smile, but you can see beyond that and see there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of, there's just, there's been, there's been a road of, of pain. And I, I never forget, we're watching this lady, and I'm like, she's been through a lot. Got to talk to her a little bit, single mom, multiple jobs, but she did an amazing job. And so I look at Harrison, and I'm like, son, we're going to leave a tip. Like, we're going to leave an amazing tip, and we're going to run out, and we're going to go as fast as we can, and then, you know, we're just going to bless her. And so he's like, oh, Dad, what do you think? Are you thinking this? I said, no, add a digit. We're going to do, it's going to be a Fox News tip, son. And it's like, we're going to write this in there where Jesus loves you, and, and basically get out. So we, we do it, and we take off, and uh, all of a sudden, we're walking down that long terminal. And we're 100 yards from that Changs. And sure enough, Harrison looks back. He goes, oh, my God, Dad, here she comes. And this lady who's twice my size is coming in hot. She's coming in like a linebacker. And she's just coming in apron flying. And she's just like, oh, my Lord, baby, you are not leaving without giving me a hug. So she's coming in, and I'm like bracing for this hug and so we embrace and I just tell her I said you are daughter of the king God loves you so much and you were amazing you earned every bit of that I said you were a blessing and I said God loves you her and I are kind of crying Harrison's hiding how many of you know I want to be an example to my kids of living open-handed and open-hearted Number six, and this is probably the most important one, guys. I give because one day I'm going to meet Jesus, and I want to hear, well done. I want to hear, you know what, son? I gave you a few things, and look what you did. Look at the lives that were impacted because of your obedience. 
I have a story, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll close here in a second with this. I was sharing this with your pastor. Our church back in Louisiana was in the longest building campaign next to Noah's Ark. We had build a vision. It went eight years. Build a vision. Chapter two, keep building the vision because you didn't finish what you needed to raise in the build a vision piece. Chapter three, chapter four. Then chapter five goes to let's resurrect the build a vision one more time. Can you help me, brother, campaign? And so we basically get to the place where we're going to start building our church. And Katrina happens. This was 2005. And Katrina was a hurricane that destroyed our area in south Louisiana. So we get hit super, super hard. And the price of the building be, uh, doubled. It went from $16 million to $32 million. And nothing changed. It's just the cost of doing business. And I'll never forget my pastor calling me and saying, you know what? He goes, uh, Lee, I need you to come by the office right now. The chief credit officer of the bank is here. Would you please come? I was like, is it so-and-so? He goes, no, it's this guy who's the chief credit officer of the main headquarters five states away. i like, that's not good. So I went over there, met with him. I'm not pastor in this moment of my life, full disclosure. So I'm sitting there at that conference table. And he and I start engaging each other because he says this, I need y'all to shut the project down right now. I need you to board up the windows and all of that, and we need to board up. We're done. We're, we're backing up this project. We're shutting it down. Eight years of raising money, eight years of sweat, eight years of sacrifice from people, and this guy's about to shut the project down. And so he and I are exchanging some vocabulary that I'm not going to repeat. And I'm like, we're not going to shut the project down. And he and I are going at it. And I look at Pastor, and Pastor's got his hands in his head. And I'm looking over at him. I'm just like, my brother, you got to say something. This is, like, really important to myself. And I said, are you crying? Are you praying? So I'm engaging this guy right here. And then he stands up, and Pastor said this. And this changed my life. He said, sir, we're not going to stop. I know your credit policy has no provision for God showing up but we're going to get the money and we're going to get this thing finished. And I'm like, okay, he's got a gift of faith. And, uh, but there was a delta of about $7 million that we needed to raise in six months. And the guy goes, okay, I'm going to give you six months. You got to raise $7 million to bridge that gap. And, uh, and then he leaves. And so I look at pastor. I'm like, what were you doing, pastor? He, I, he said, well, I was praying. I was like, and I said, he goes, and God spoke to me. I said, well, what did God say? Because that bank's coming back. And so he basically looked at me, and he goes, he said, Lee, he goes, I was praying. My life's over. I told God my life's over. It's going to be the laughing stock of our community. And then God spoke and said this to me. He said, son, don't make me look small in this meeting, or you'll regret it the rest of your life. And that did something to me that just changed my life. Because all that while, we were trying to negotiate the sale of our business. And during that time, I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, this is going to be able to help the church somewhat. And during that two-month period, for the next two months, negotiations failed. We walked away from that deal. Only to have, two months later, the largest information company in the world call us out of nowhere saying this, we've been watching you for two years, we want to buy your company. 
We'll pay you up to 11 multiple, and we can close as fast as you want. Because the first transaction that we had, everything was so clean from an audit perspective and ready to go, we closed in less than 60 days. And that was 10 times more than the original amount. And it was, I share that with you, not, it's not about the size of any of that. What it is is about the size of God and how many times we'll try to put God in a box and say, okay, you know what, God? You have a supply issue, and God doesn't have a supply issue. God's doing something inside of his church, and I call it really eternal return on investment, E-R-O-I. And I think the E-R-O-I is such an important piece of what we're trying to do because nothing else really matters. I'm going to close with this. We're going to have two moments before the Lord, not one. We're going to go before the Lord, and it's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And basically, he's going to say, hey, did you know? Do you know my son Jesus? It's the salvation moment. It's Ephesians 2.8. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And then the second moment, see, we can't earn salvation. It's a gift. But the second moment is after we pass the first one. So we go into heaven, and I call this one the rewards moment or the EROI moment. And really, Bible talks about it as the judgment seat of Christ. I think that's kind of harsh, judgment seat of Christ. I like the rewards seat or the rewards moment. I think it's going to be like an Olympic competition. I think we're going to go before the Jesus, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And it's going to be like, okay, you've you got a gold, you have silver, you've got bronze. You just get to get into heaven. And, but we're all going to be cheering for everybody. We're all going to be on Team Jesus. With a new heavenly body. Come on, somebody. But watch this in Scripture. Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. says this. It says, For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been, and what he's achieved. This is not salvation been busy with or given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Jesus is saying in Revelation twenty two twelve, he says, Behold, I am coming soon, and I shall bring my wages and my rewards with me to repay and render to each one of you what your own actions and own work merit. Jesus is saying, I'm, and this is at the end of the Bible, he says, I'm bringing rewards for you guys. And you say, well, Lord, you gave me salvation. I don't need anything else. But it's his show. And he wants to reward us. And you say, well, how? How do you know what he's going to reward us? And 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says it. It says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Watch this. Super important. Because the day, well, it's in capital D. That means it's the return of Christ. So it's because of the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. 
Watch verse 14. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. When I read that verse, what jumped out at me is what survives? That begs that question. So what's going to survive with this, at this rewards moment? And then it hit me. The only things that are going to survive are the things that show up in heaven. It's the things done in Jesus' name. It's not going to be, there's noble things that we can do. We can fund a hospital. We can get our name on the business college of a university. And all those things are noble, amazing, and valuable. But you just got your reward. It's not going to show up in heaven. But the people we lead through Christ, through our church, to see marriages healed, lives changed, people freed from addiction and come to Christ, those are the rewards that show up in heaven. My favorite verse right now, because I believe we are in this moment and now at Soma and at Church of the Highlands. Acts 17, 26 says this, for one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us over all the earth. Watch this. He sets boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. When I read that verse, especially during the COVID season the last couple of years, it was like God just did something inside of me that says, son, I chose you to be in this moment. So if he chose every one of us to be in this moment, that means he's given us everything we need to get what we got to get done. He's not going to give us anything more. It's basically he's given it to us and he set us in this time in history. Let's never lose the wonder of being a believer. Let's never lose the wonder of the amazing miracle that's so mature. What God has done so far is the floor, not the ceiling of what he has. There are plenty of people that don't know Jesus all around us. And we have the privilege to steward that moment. And legacy team is what sets the pace of the vision of so mature. Let's pray. If you're with your spouse, grab their hand. If you're not with your spouse, keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> that was funny, huh? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, that, Lord, that the church should be a place of joy, that the church should be a place of laughter, that the church should be like a hospital helping wounded people get healed and encounter a relationship with Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for Pastors Michael and Brooke. Father, I thank you for the whole team. I pray a blessing upon them, and I pray a blessing, a special blessing upon this legacy team. Lord, I thank you for the people that make up Soma Church. Every family represented, I pray that you would strengthen their marriage, God. I pray that you would bless their children, Father. That, Lord, even if there's strains in relationships, God, that you would bring restoration in those relationships. I pray that you would give them wisdom in their business and as they navigate their, their business and their relationships and their investments, God, I pray, Father, that you'd give them wisdom beyond their own ability. Lord, we can exhale. We got nothing to prove. We can rest in the finished work of the cross, but we have a lot of work to do because there's a lot of people that don't know you. So, Father, 
Help us to be a people of faith. Lord, help us to displace fear by bringing your perfect love on the scene. And God, I thank you for the privilege it is, Father, to share with these people. And I pray you do what only you do, God. And we, we commit to be a people, Father, that are fearless, faithful, and we're going to finish in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Amen, amen. Y'all give it up for Pastor Lee. Come on. Little little backstory because sometimes you you need more context if you unless you're a big church nerd like myself you don't realize sometimes what's happening. Um, so we when we started Soma, 2018 we had no idea what we were doing. Never planted a church. Church that sent us loved us so much they were like we love you. We we don't plant churches. We have no idea how to do that. So we went to this place called Ark, and uh, it's headquartered down in Alabama. That's the connection to Church of the Highlands and found out that the Church of the Highlands had this other thing called Grow, which basically is the, the brains behind a lot of what uh, they do from an ARC standpoint, systems and how to do church, how to plant churches. And, and, and we're like, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. And they had this goal at the time of, um, of planting or seeing a thousand churches break a, a, the barrier of a thousand in, in just like weekly attendance. And that was a dream of theirs to say, hey, man, there's so many amazing churches out there. A lot of the problems with churches isn't vision, isn't good preaching, isn't like God's word, all that's working. A lot of it is more of a systems issue. A lot of it is just people struggling to organize and better serve and care for and steward who God sends. And so, um, and so back in 2018, we go to this conference, we get connected to some of that crew, and I was like, man, I just want to be, I want to be one of those churches, man. I just want to like, in my, you know, in my threeness, if y'all are Enneagram people, I'm just like, I'm be one of them churches. I'm be one of a thousand. You know what I mean? And, and so, but my dream was, and this is how small it was at the time, I was like, okay, year one, let's be at 300 people. We just average 300 people. Year two, we average 400 people. Year five, year three, we average 500 people. And then we'll get into a building, and it will be 1,000 people. When we get into a building, it'll be awesome. We'll be 1,000 people. Woo, 1,000 people. And then, uh, and then fast forward, and, like, what God's done in the life of our church, obviously we, we don't own a facility, and we're not doing anything any different other than the fact that God just breathed on the thing. And, and we've, like, we're averaging 1,000 people week to week here at Soma. And a lot of that is, like, the relationship. A lot of that is what God's done through Church of the Highlands, PC, Lee, you and your whole team. So Lee oversees Grow Leader, which is this, a lot of what we do as a church is impacted by Grow Leader. So I just want to honor him for him taking his time. You, Harrison, both of you guys for coming out and just, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. I'm so excited. We're going to share, uh, we're going to share some cool things like some just fun stories and big wins for us as a church. I'm going to give you a break. So take a minute. We're going to do a quick break and then trustees are going to come up. We're going to share wins from the past year, cast some vision. You guys take a break. They're going to flip tables for dessert, all that good stuff. You'll see a clock going up on the screen and we'll catch you in about, about 10 minutes.